0: Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Castro files welcome. again. We appreciate you coming and hanging out. How are you doing? I'm great. How about yourself? I'm doing well. Thank you so much for joining us. Yay. We've got beth has got another great story to Actually, share. Two short stories oh, two to short share stories, yes. some uh, creepy stuff. I imagine good stuff. We'll get into it. First things first, go out, like and subscribe to the YouTube channel if you don't mind the Castro files channel Yes, please. and also go out. If you like to listen to the audio versions, go check us out on iTunes, Spotify. You can give us reviews there, ratings out there. Do that. It'll be under The Bar Is Open with Beth and Greg. It's where we push these yes. too. So you can also check out that little more adult content over there. Yes. Um, nothing super nothing. naughty. but I mean, sometimes. Sometimes it's just you want to have ear earmuffs for kids in the Yes, If exactly. you're going to listen to it. But nonetheless, you can go out and check those out. You can also check us out on uh, Instagram. For all of our photos that we share from the shows when we do the castro files. You can check that stories. out on the Castro Files Instagram page. And it's linked below in the in the notes. And then lastly, go out, check us out, check out the Minor League Studio forward slash the Castro Files. And you can check out all of our swag. We've got tumblers, shirts, hats, all the good stuff yes. out there. We've got some pretty Great fun stuff. stuff. Yeah. Some alien faces. Little cute and stuff. Yeah. It's fun. So thank you so much again
1: for tuning in. I'm gonna turn it over to Beth. To me. Awesome. All right. Well, I have a. I'm reading a couple short stories from a book called Real Demonic Possessions and Exorcisms by Zachary Ooh. Knowles. I have two stories, and these are all like I was able to go and find them. Some real photos and stuff. Uh-huh. And all at least for one of them, because they used uh, like a. I don't know what you call it when you mix the words around and you make another name for the, the synonym? person. Something like that. It, it tells me synonym. in the story, but it tells me what it it's is. the one of in those story. But, So I couldn't really find that, but I found the person who was part of the exorcism. Okay, cool. So, awesome. All right. The first one is called Clarita Venueva and they called her the vampire girl. All right. Clarita was a petite, attractive teenage girl living a very rough life in the Philippines during the 1950s. She was no stranger to the paranormal, as she grew up watching her single mother hold seances and practice fortune telling as a means to make money. However, when Clarita came face to face with the demonic, she was helpless. She was as helpless as the next person. When her mother died, Clarita was left alone to fend for herself at the tender age of twelve. She began she began as a vagabond, but was quickly lured into prostitution. She became quite skilled at plying her trade and focused on the capital city of manila for maximum profit late one night in 1953 when she was 18 years old the manila police arrested her on vagrancy <clears throat> and prostitution charges it was at this time as she was locked up in a bilibid prison oh, cell what? bilibid bilibid yes prison? okay i think i don't That's know the location i maybe. think so yeah. yeah um prison cell that authorities discovered something was quite wrong with the young woman Clarita claimed two creatures had repeatedly attacked her over a period of nine days. Attributing this claim to mental illness, the officials paid little attention until bite marks began to appear on her, most predominantly or prominently on her neck, hence the nickname Vampire Girl.
0: And you can't bite your own neck, I've tried. It's like you can't bite your own little
1: weirdo um soon clarita was in the mayor's office accompanied by the chief medical examiner and a few other witnesses from various professions there she began to writh, laugh and cry out as if experiencing pain the group of witnesses observed bite marks appear where no bite mark had been previously they stated that the bite marks would appear under the palm of someone's hand as they held her arm becoming visible once the hand was removed At one point, those present saw her make a motion as if pulling hair from someone or something invisible and then discovered a wad of thick, straight, black hair in her clutched fist. The hair clearly matched the description of her tormentors. Clarita had been described, uh, I'm sorry, Clarita had described one of her attackers as a large man covered in thick, curly hair over his head, chest, and arms. He also had abnormally large teeth, much like that of a dog, and his eyes were sharp and piercing. The other creature was very short, just over two feet tall, dressed in a black hood robed and vampire sharp teeth and bulging eyes. They began taking turns biting her, Clarita claimed. The smaller one would climb around on her body to access new places to bite. They both preferred the fleshy areas of the body where it would be difficult for her to personally inflict a bite wound, favoring her upper torso, arms, and neck. The bites would leave purplish discolored bruises and sometimes even moisture. As these horrific attacks continued, her story quickly attracted the attention of the media, making front-page news in the Philippines, the United States, and eventually all over the world. The news depicted her in a photo in which the attractive, dark-haired young girl's face and mouth were contorted in anguish while her eyes filled with desperation. Only one can imagine the fear and helplessness Clarita felt, so young and with no family to care for her. Another grainy newspaper reflected a beautiful young young woman with her mouth stretched wide open in pain, eyes tightly shut, and reported in the throes of a seizure. Clarita began to fall into trances. Subsequently, seizures began to occur more frequently. During her trances, medical professionals with over 100 called in during her experiences, tried pricking her skin with needles, but she had no reaction. It seemed as if her body was there, but Clarita was not. Some of the medical examiners, as to be expected, insisted her experiences were nothing more than manifestation of mental hysteria. 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 <clears throat> they even insisted the bite marks were discolorations in the skin caused by her mind, yet they could not prove an explanation of how her mind could cause such marks. Others who witnessed the same instances disagreed with the medical professionals, affirming something invisible to all except Clarita was attacking her and they were helpless to protect her. They also pointed to the saliva-like moisture that appeared around the bites as further refutation of this tenacious story. It was also worth to note one outspoken critic who accused Clarita of putting on an act to gain attention was cursed by Clarita. According to onlookers, her normally large, expressive eyes narrowed and took almost a snake-like appearance as she simply said to her skeptic, You will die. Though it cannot be proven if she cursed him or not, the man did die the next day. Oh, shit. <laughs> he was not the only victim Oops. of the, of such a curse by Clarita. One of the chief jailers had aggressively kicked Clarita for, Clarita for some reason or perceived wrongdoing. In response, witnesses say she turned to face the guard and murmured the same words. Within four days, the jailer was dead, too. Fear struck many in Manila as they came to believe Clarita was no mere victim of demonic torment, but rather a powerful witch. The fact that her mother was a fortune teller did not help that matter. While many countries across the world offered ideas for cures and treatment, it seemed no Christian nation was brave enough to respond. After weeks of torment, help came to tortured Clarita in the form of American minister, Lester Sumrall. Working to help build up some local Philippine churches, Lester Sumrall felt God brought him to help the girl and bravely approached the mayor and his team for permission to visit Clarita, stating she had a case of demonic possession. Sumrall was a Protestant minister and thus did not perform a Roman Catholic exorcism, but he performed an exorcism all the same. As he began to f- confront the demons in the name of Jesus Christ, they began to speak through Clarita in two distinct voices, corresponding with the two demons Clarita professed to have witnessed. After a matter of days, Samaral was confident Clarita was freed from their power until they returned, and Samaral once again uh, confronted them in the name of Jesus. He finally cast them out for good, and Clarita was encouraged to seek salvation to prevent further demonic possession. Clarissa was freed from her demons for the remainder of her days. However, she did remain active in church in the Philippines and went on to marry and have a family.
0: Mm. Uh, She had a rough life to begin with. right? So regardless of your take on it, she could have had some sort of mental health situation yeah but how do you explain on? the
1: bites and i don't think you like can I mentally said, try and bite your elbow i mean i'm not gonna try to bite my elbow <laughs> thank you i i don't i don't think mentally you can cause bite marks to appear on yourself no i'm pretty sure i can't i mean be like wish a bruise on. yeah my it, it's just you know and the fact that um they would show up after where people now if they were grabbing her too hard but they look like bite marks that's though. what I'm saying. it's not they did yeah, look like handprints forcing her down or yeah because if you grab too hard with your hand you're gonna have fingers your arm you're gonna something. have fingers yeah. yeah um so it was kind of it's interesting um and we do have some photos that we'll put up yeah, that go along with everything. Yeah, yeah,
0: they come through. So absolutely, um, very interesting. First one there, yeah,
1: yeah. So my second one is also about a young lady who um, was possessed. So her name was Julia, and they called her Satan's Priestess. Jeez.
0: The vampire and the, pri- the right? Satan's Priest.
1: Yeah. Uh, Doctor Richard Gallagher, a board-certified psychiatrist, published a paper entitled "Among the Many Counterfeits: A Case of Demonic Possession." In the Oxford Review in March of 2008, discussing his experience with a patient whom he fully believed was in demon possessed. Who was demon possessed? Sorry, I have like you one hair. You have one hair, hair I can see. It's right in the middle of your or, head. Like, oh <laughs> my you gosh! Hate that. Okay. I
0: don't have that problem.
1: So. All right. So a little bit of background on Julia. Julia was the pseudonym for his patient, he, or he used for his patient. That's what the word yeah, was. Pseudonym. Pseudonym. Okay. He yeah. used for his patient was in her early 40s, a self-supporting, intelligent woman who he described as quite poised. In an informal conversation with her, there was nothing to hint she was controlled by anything paranormal and she she seemed logical and quite sane. To all appearances, Julia was a normal, attractive, well-spoken woman. The main thing that did stand out about Julia was her rather dramatic choice of appearance, all black clothing combined with abundance of dark eye makeup julia was a self-styled satanic princess, priestess who had been active in various satanic cults throughout the years there was nothing to cause those involved in her case to doubt the truth of this and even she admitted it was most likely co- the cause behind her possession she initially asked for help from the catholic church when her symptom began to manifest being raised catholic though rejecting catholicism in the past she still felt it was her best hope it was one of the priests working on her case that asked Dr. Gallagher to participate in her case and her cause. Some of the chilling aspects of Julia's possession were the voices that would speak through her. They ranged from deep, guttural, and menacing to abnormally high, pit, high pitched. All the voices were markedly different from Julia's normal speaking voice, as well as her normal means of expressions. The voices would claim ownership of Julia and would mock those trying to help her um, using filth scatological language and scatological language that's a really hard word to say scatological yeah <laughs> look it up it's kind of interesting these voices expressed an unbelievable level of hatred and vitriol. besides knowing disturbing things about those in the vicinity of julia these voices didn't only speak english as julia did they were fluent in spanish latin and greek it seemed they relished distracting the priest and nuns involved by utilizing classical languages. The voices were always crude and abusive, abusive, punctuating their threats with foul language. None of this was typical of Julia's behavior or speech pattern or the content, content of her conversations. Neither the tone of voice, speech patterns, or expressions in any ways reflected Julia. Right? It's like, yeah, I was like, I wonder if she remembers the voices. Or if she like goes to a trance or right. somewhere else kind of like they said the clarita yeah. did it. chick did in one incident julia mentioned to a team member those cats really got into a fight last night didn't they most may not find that statement out of context however the team member lived in a different city than julia and had been wakened at 2 a.m by her two pet cats who normally got along very well having a terrible fight that night apparently Whatever was in control of Julia knew about it and might have instigated it. The event was, to say the least, quite intimidating, which was no doubt the purpose behind it. In another instance, Julia spoke to another team member about his or her deceased family member with information concerning their relationship, personality, and the type of cancer suffering. Julia had no previous information concerning the team member's family. Once again, Whatever was controlling Julia was trying to intimidate those working for her deliverance. Julia would would often reveal to team members their secret weaknesses and sins in addition to accurately stating the location and action of people called to work on the case before she even met them. Uh, Members believed something wanted the team to know there was nothing about them it couldn't find out. During her exorcism, Julia could tell the difference between holy water and plain tap water. If plain tap water was poured on her or poured or sprinkled on her, she showed no physical reaction. However, holy water was applied to her; she would scream out as an extreme pain. The voices speaking through Julia didn't just limit uh, didn't just limit themselves to evaluation and exorcism times. In a quite challenging episode, Dr. Gallagher was discussing Julia's case on the phone with a priest far from where Julia was located. In the middle of the conversation. One of Julia's demonic voices interrupted the conversation, ordering the men to leave Julia alone. Both men were completely baffled as, as, as to how her voice managed to come over the phone line as well as it knew they were discussing her at that time. Yeah. What did impress the team, however, was how Julia would sometimes levitate during exorcisms. In one particular instance, a group of witnesses, including health professionals and nuns working as psychiatric nurses, saw Julia floating unsupportive about 10 inches above the floor for 30 minutes.
0: Uh, Yeah, that's not just like a magic trick. Right.
1: 30 minutes. Right. This was not the only time she said to have levitated, but it was the most impressive instance and occurred during an attempted exorcism. Levitation was not the most dramatic manifest, however, as Julia's condition. During another levitation incident, while suspended in the air six inches off the floor, objects began to fly off shelves around the room in a terrifying display of what experts called psychokinesis. Oddly enough, when Julia was questioned about the incident later, she did not remember any of it. When levitating or speaking in those other voices, Julia would go into a trance-like state. There's your answer. It was as if she checked out and something else checked in during these trances, besides manifesting paranormal powers, Julia would speak of herself in the third person, and much of what she said took the form of taunts, jeers, and threats. Phrases such as, she's ours, leave her alone, imbecile, and other expressions peppered with extreme profanity were quite common. Another characteristic of what was said was a very great con- contempt for religion and all things sacred, going as so far to call the nuns horse. She was also exhibited superhuman strength to the point that at least three women had to hold her down so she couldn't harm herself or others. One warm, sunny day, Julia was brought in for another exorcism. As she was led into the room, those present felt a dramatic, icy drop in the temperature. It was an unnatural cold that chilled them to the bones as the room took on an eerie, hostile atmosphere. Nevertheless, when the demons began to speak through Julia, things changed dramatically. The temperature in the room consistently increased, and those working with her began to sweat profusely as the temperatures continued to rise to almost unbearable levels. As they continued with prayer and rituals, in spite of the stifling, unnatural heat, the sounds coming from Julia changed to chilling, animalistic uproars, seemingly impossible for any human to make. Soon the voices switched back to their normal behavior, utilizing different languages to pour forth abuse, Contempt and sacrilege with extreme hatred and anger. Sadly, while the exorcisms proved to be helpful, Julia never found complete freedom from the demons that possessed her.
0: Yeesh. All right. I'm like, number one, just close the door, lock it. She's floating. <laughs> if you're floating for 30 minutes.
1: It's time to step away?
0: Yeah, just close that. I know we want to help. But when you're
1: done floating. I mean. But she did it while they were performing exorcisms, so they couldn't close the door. I just had this one hair that just <laughs> There it is. You got it. I yanked it. <laughs>
0: when in doubt, just pull it. Yeah, no. So, I mean, it was like, this is kind of a joke, but does holy water and tap water t- taste difference? Is probably
1: not. Yes. It taste it's different? not. Oh, taste? I'm just no. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. No. Kidding. You're <laughs> going to hell. Um... <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: no, but you go, like, yeah, it's like that second story, kind of similarly to the first story, it's like, they, you know, they check out, they check out, it's just gone, we've talked about some of their possession stories, and they're yes. just not there.
1: Yeah, they and literally, they, it's almost so like... That's
0: where I was almost thinking, is it, oftentimes they'll try, it, it could be a schizophrenic kind of thing, multiple personality right. kind of thing.
1: Which... People have And they have
0: several Right And that kind of That situation happens Where something fractures In their brain Right But when you start talking About floating
1: Or You know Knowing things about people That you shouldn't know Speaking
0: languages You've You've heard
1: like Where people have Knocked their head Or been in a coma Or something like that When I first read about Like the Where um, Speaking Chinese Or something when they talked about the voice cutting in on the phone line mm-hmm. I had to go back and look at the year because remember when you used to have phone lines you could pick up a phone in another a room hard line. Yeah. but you could pick up the phone from another yeah. room and interrupt a conversation so I was like okay when was this maybe that explains that but it was 2008 could it still be I mean maybe but theoretically she was in the hospital not in a room where she had a she phone she would have to know what line they were on right dial in yeah or something. so but
0: even then we had like conference calls like we've been working for a company for years and years and years like right. we've had conference rooms but
1: people conference typically calls. i guess they can't I well know. old tech I, I they could but new break tech into you can't
0: a new like a, to another conference right one. you'd have no. to have like the password the numbers in, especially in 2008 that's very interesting interesting ones tonight
1: yeah, yeah a little and creepy. they're both like true stories so you can go online and
0: Check them yeah, we'll out. Post some, we'll post out the notes and yeah. stuff like that. We'll have the pictures out on the Castro Files Instagram. Absolutely. So definitely go check those out. Excuse me. And then I hope you enjoyed the show today. Thank you so much, honey, for sharing that yeah, one. It was I'm an glad awesome you enjoyed it. I hope Ollie. you guys
1: enjoyed it as well. So
0: what do you always say? Sharing is caring. Go out and share the show with everybody if you don't mind. We appreciate it. We'll catch you next time. Bye, guys. Cheers. Have a great week. Yeah.